Hello, and welcome to At Home with Ashley G. I'm Ashley Grunwald, a real estate agent, mother of two, living in Raleigh, North Carolina with my husband, Jed. I hope you will join me as we discuss all things that begin in the home, such as family, marriage, faith, parenting, organizing, and plus a sprinkle of real estate. I look forward to building a community with you as we navigate the joys of owning a home and making it our safe haven for our family because home is where it all begins. Hi everyone, it's Ashley Gronwald with Hunter Row Real Estate and here again with me is Meredith Delbridge. She was with me last week when we talked about just how eating disorders have really pervaded our culture and just some tips on how to avoid them and then to deal with them and cope with them. And so I asked Meredith if she'd come back and focus a little bit more on kids since we're seeing more and more kids struggle with eating disorders. So she's got some really great information to share with us today. So Meredith, again, if you wouldn't mind real quick, tell them who you are and how you got into this space. And then we're going to jump into questions because I know our time will go fast. Yeah. So I'm Meredith and I am a counselor. Um, I have had my practice for 10 years, actually this past month. And I just, you know, I kind of got into eating disorder counseling just because I have a heart, you know, for women and for really everyone just to find freedom from the, um, the struggles that can come with food and body. Um, body image and things like that. So I've had a lot of friends and just different, you know, I think we've all had different experiences with food and our bodies. And so it's something I feel passionate about. And I, I just feel very thankful that this is work that I get to do. So yeah, definitely. And I shared last week that we've gotten to work together in a counseling setting, which has been so helpful for me. Um, and so I, I know Meredith from personal experience and then also seeing her in this professional space. She definitely has a lot to offer. So I'm going to jump right in because today our topic is navigating conversations about food and bodies with our kids. And I think that's one of my biggest fears is Ellie and now Brooklyn having exposure to just the, the culture and the ideas around body image and what is considered normal and healthy and good or beautiful. She just got a, her first Barbie doll for at her four-year-old birthday party. And I had said in my mind, she wasn't going to have Barbie dolls because of that image that is not an accurate image of a woman that gets kind of ingrained into our little girl minds that that's what I'm supposed to look like, which is totally unrealistic. I think I read an article about it. It was like, if a human actually had those dimensions of Barbie, we'd fall over. We couldn't hold ourselves up. Yeah. So again, that's why I wanted to hear your thoughts on this. So as we get started, can you briefly give us a little information on why this topic is so important and any statistics that might help us see how important it is? Yeah. So I think, you know, one thing that comes to mind is <clears throat> the fact that there is a billion dollar diet industry it is profiting, you know, off of all of us <laughs> who are, you know, who people who are dieting, people who feel like they need to lose weight. And that doesn't include people that are struggling necessarily with, I mean, it does include people that are struggling with eating disorders, but it includes everyone. And right. so I think as parents and I will say not even, I would say this talk could be for anyone. Like if you are an aunt or an uncle, mm -hmm. if you 
you are a teacher, if you, you know, anyone who has contact with kids, really, I think, you know, obviously, when you're a parent, you have more contact with your kids, feeding them and interacting with food and, you know, bodies and that kind of thing. But I think this is something that affects all of us. And so I think as far as children go, we have an opportunity as parents, as caregivers, as teachers to really change the conversation around food and bodies that I think um, have been pretty just broken in our media. And um, so I came across a couple statistics recently. I was in a, a webinar for my continuing education as a counselor. And so um, I wanted to share them because I thought they would kind of paint an important picture as we kind of get started. So 25% of kids that diet go on to develop an eating disorder. Wow. It's just really high. That's a high number. That's a fourth mm -hmm. of kids that are dieting. And um, it's just, it's sad. So mm -hmm. I think we can, you know, talk to our kids about diets and about, you know, the dangers and help them see a different perspective. Um, we might be able to prevent them from struggling with an eating disorder down the road. The other thing is that, you know, there's a lot of talk about childhood obesity. And I know that a lot of parents worry about their kids' weight. Um, I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I think we all want our kids to be healthy. We want them to, you know, feel good about themselves. And uh, I also think there's a part of that that reflects the culture's values, you know, wanting our kids to fit in or to you know, appear attractive or whatever it might be. I think it's, there's a lot of factors there, but one statistic that I had, that I'd heard that I was shocked by is that more kids right now have eating disorder diagnoses than they do a type two diabetes diagnosis. So that is, I think that's just really important perspective because I think have kind of, <clears throat> developed this conversation around um, children and their bodies and what's healthy and what's not. And, you know, part of me feels like maybe this backfired, you know, that more children are developing eating disorders because of all the conversations about what's healthy, what's not, what's good, what's bad. Well, one thing I was thinking when I went home after at graduating college, I don't know how old I was, but I went back and was going through my old childhood bedroom and I found some journals from middle school and I was shocked because I knew I was on this. I had had a struggle with this at least since college, but hadn't really remembered where it began. And so I had opened up some journals from middle school and it was like my goals for the summer to lose 15 pounds or something like that. And I like my heart just sunk of like this started even younger than I realized because I kind of say it really developed in college, but there was a lot of seeds that were being planted young. And just like you said, like that would be a diet, let's say. So I was dieting over the summer with a weight loss goal. And then 25% of those types of kids go on to develop an eating disorder. And I would fall into that category of that one fourth. And I can only imagine all the even more so because I wasn't exposed to a ton of media or perfect bodies from the entertainment industry. And so I can only imagine people that were exposed even more than I was to that. Mm -hmm. So that just rings so close to home when I we heard that. So now as parents, both of us as parents, both of parents of little girls, how much influence or impact does a parent have on their child's attitude about his or her body? Like, do we have a significant impact on that? Yeah. And, you know, what can we do to help maybe 
give them a positive view of their body so that we're not having these conversations about our kids? So we do. We have a big impact on how kids view their bodies, how, you know, what their relationship with food looks like. I do want to make it really clear just from the beginning that you know, parents don't cause eating disorders. So that's really important to underscore. Yes, we do play a big role in how they, you know, view themselves and how they view food and, uh, you know, all of these things, but we're just one part of that. And so I think it's important for parents to know that so they aren't feeling this weight that, you know, oh, it's up to me. And it's, it's really not, but but we do have the power to shape and influence in a very significant way. And so, you know, I would say just, you know, as a parent, like, or as a caregiver, anyone just modeling behaviors, that's so important. So children see, they watch, and I I alluded to this previously in our, in our last conversation, um, but they're little sponges. And so the, the words that we use, the way we discuss food, they're watching and they're paying attention. So, you know, oftentimes, like I would say, you know, we we try not to talk about like calories or we don't talk about good and bad food or, and I think we'll get into this in a little bit, but those are some, those are some things that, you know, can be really helpful. And I think that, you know, just in general, remembering like the way that we conduct ourselves, like they're paying attention. Rather than even focusing on the negative, like the negative things that we could be doing, I think it's so important to focus on the positive. Like, so when you're positive about, you know, your body or, you know, not that you have to talk about your body really, but just focusing on like, you know, um, your strength or different functions that your body carries out and and being thankful. And um, so we have the power to kind of shape how they're, how they're viewing things based on really how we're presenting ourselves. So yeah. and I think that's so good too, because I can get so caught up in just talking about how beautiful my little girl is or how handsome my son is. And even though those are true, I don't want that to be the message. And so even starting to tweak the language of, gosh, you're so talented at that. Or I love how you followed through with that activity. Or I love how hard you're trying to do whatever it is versus attributing it just to a physical attribute. So just again, being very aware of the words that are coming out of our mouth. Jed is currently doing a, well, I'll say a meal plan, a very strict meal plan, because I'm even afraid to use the word diet in our house. And, you know, Ellie's asking like, you know, why isn't daddy eating some of these foods that she knows he loves? So it's not like he doesn't like it. And I'm a little nervous about it because I'm like, I don't know how to say this. And, And Jetta said things like, I'm just not eating that right now. So we've been, you know, cautious. But again, like if that's something that we are constantly modeling is dieting, not to say what Jed is doing is wrong, but if that is what our constant activity is, our kids are picking up on that and seeing just some value in, oh, my body needs to look a certain way to be loved or to be admired or whatever. So just, you know, I'm super sensitive to it clearly from my background, you know, Jed will say things that I'm like, don't say that, you know, like that's a trigger word or we don't use the word fat. We don't use the word diet or any of those types of things to be real cautious. But um, are there other factors that we can influence our kids on how they view their bodies and their relationship with food? I mean, clearly modeling it is more important than me just speaking it. They're going to catch what we're doing more than what we're saying. Well, I was just going to say that. Like, I think that we can say so many different things, but they're ultimately going to see 
whether or not we're doing those things ourselves. Mm-hmm. And maybe not when they're little teeny tiny, but you know, as they grow up, they're smart and they, they notice. And so mm-hmm. um, I think like specifically, you know, I mean, we've kind of touched on this, but you know, approaching food in a neutral way. So like, mm-hmm. we don't talk about like good food or bad food. Mm-hmm. We just, you know, all food is good and it's normal. I mean, that's not good, but it's, it's just all food fits, you know? And another big thing I think for parents is not using food as a reward or a punishment, which it's so easy to fall into that. I mean, I think we've all been there and, uh, you know, but I think what that does is this like power dynamic um, and we want to avoid that. And so, um, you know, trying to use, like, if you, you know, a lot of, a lot of parents will use like you know, food for potty training rewards or just behavior or things like that. And, you know, finding other things to use besides food. That's another thing. You talked about this last week yourself, but eliminating food labels, that can be helpful. I also think, you know, as kids get older, like discussing diet culture with them and, and in your own home, like being able to like not normalize diet culture. So like helping them to have conversations about like, you know, what is a diet and do, Mm -hmm. what do we think about that? And what does that mean that so-and-so said that they were on a diet? What does that mean? And is that something that, what do we think about that? And, Mm -hmm. and really being able to speak into that so that they're hearing, you know, things that are, that are truthful at home and it helps them to be resilient to messages that they might be hearing outside of your home. And I was thinking too, like, the clean plate club is a very common idea in homes. And I've always struggled with this since Ellie was born of like, gosh, I want to encourage her to finish her food or to, if she asks for something that we should encourage her to eat it, not that she gets to just have a buffet of choices, but it's a slippery slope and it's very fine line for, for me of, and, and I say this with Jed, cause he's like, you can get up when you finish your food. And I've, I've said that a lot. And I'm like, I don't want to give this message of, you know, you have to finish your plate because we could have given her too much. I mean, right. essentially. And if we're trying to teach eat till you're full instead of just eat till the plate is because then you create this idea of that. I'm good. I have worth when my plate is clean and you carry that into adulthood when we're getting these mega portions at restaurants and we're overeating because we want that feeling of my mom and dad loved me and rewarded me when I finished my plate. And then we have the obesity epidemic. So I, I'm curious how you would say and how you handle that in your home with the clean plate club concept. Yeah. So we are not a clean plate club. Um, and you know, one thing that I think you sort of touched on there, it was, you know, when we're encouraging our kids to finish all of their food, we're essentially telling them, you know, we're, we're teaching them to not listen to their bodies. Right. So, you know, and I think what we really want is we want our kids to listen to their hunger, listen to their fullness. Mm-hmm. So, you know, kids sometimes they're really tired and so they're just not as hungry. Like I've noticed mm-hmm. my daughter like starting school, it's like she comes home and I'm like, do you want a snack? And she's like, no, she's just tired. And um, and you know, I think when we encourage that and we say, 
you can only have a like dessert if you finish your your dinner. Mm -hmm. Also saying, you know, you can you might be full, but if you want that treat, then you have to eat all this, and then you eat that, and then you're really full, and you don't feel good. And so it just creates this, I think, dynamic that a lot of kids can carry, you know, up into mm -hmm. adulthood. And so the biggest thing I would say about that is we really want to teach kids how to listen to their mm -hmm. bodies. And so when we tell them and we, you know, I'll say this and uh, some, anyone can email me if they forget the name that I throw out here, but Ellen Satter is a really good um, resource. Uh, she talks about, it's called the division of responsibility. To sum up in like two seconds, she basically talks about as parents, like we pick what and when, and then we let the kids decide if and how much. Cool. So, um, so it kind of takes... The responsibility off of you do you just provide and you decide when mealtimes are and you let them eat how much they want of it and what they want of it and then you leave it at that and there's a lot more that goes into it there's a lot of really interesting information so that could be something y'all can look into um, if it sounds interesting but that's a really good resource that i encourage parents to educate themselves about i love that yeah and I I think the piece about listening to our body, like that was a lot of the learning that I did in the specific eating disorder, like growth group that I went through is like listening to the, your body. Are you hungry? Are you full? Because social cues will say to eat when you're not necessarily hungry. And, and I think, you know, like with Ellie, sometimes we'll eat and she'll say, Oh, my tummy hurts. And it's like maybe talking in that moment, like using that to say, maybe we had a little bit too much ice cream or, you know, it was just too much food next time, you know, let's scale back a little bit and see if your tummy feels better. Or, you know, that was kind of a treat food. And sometimes treat food doesn't make us feel as good. So we'll have to decide if next time we want to eat that, if that doesn't make you feel good, like just conversation about it, that's open ended, not condemning to help them understand a little bit about how food works and why they're, it, they don't feel good because it fuels them or, makes them not feel so great. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I think we learn through experience. So like if yeah. someone says like, don't eat that, don't eat that. Like, hmm. it's going to make us think like, well, what? Like right. you yourself and you feel like, oh, I do like it. Then you're going to eat it. Or if you right. don't, you're not going to eat it. You're going to decide based on your own experience. And I think mm -hmm. we have to let kids experience that rather than saying, you know, oh, you're going to eat too much. Don't get a, don't get a stomachache. We say, well, you know, if, if you think you're hungry and you want that, you can eat it. It's on your plate and you put as much or as little as you want on your plate. And, you know, if they maybe eat a little too much, then it teaches them like, okay, that was, that was too much. And, mm -hmm. and those conversations, it's not, it's not easy as a parent to do that. It's, I'm not saying it's easy, but I think that it, that it does teach our kids, you know, how, how to listen to their bodies. And real quick, I'll say this too. I think with kids, you know, they're concrete thinkers. So they think things literally. So, we have to be really careful in conversations with them because they're not like us. They don't think in abstract ways. They don't interpret things like we do. So if we've heard someone say that food is bad, mm. we understand what that means. We understand what they're trying to get at. We can come to our own conclusions about it. I mm. might say, well, I don't agree with that, but you know, that's what I hear what you're saying. Whereas a kid hears that and they think, Oh no. And they might have anxiety about it. They mm. might, it's something that they're going to get in trouble if they eat it or there's, so I think that's also helpful to remember when we're talking about conversations that we have with our kids about food, um, remembering that we have to make sure that we're 
we're communicating with them in ways that they're able to understand. And a lot of nutrition information for kids, they don't understand it. So mm-hmm. be really careful about what we're talking about with them too. I think that's good. Like, I'm just thinking there's some foods that frustrate me. Um, gummies are one of them. Just Ellie loves gummies and they, they're driving me crazy. Cause, and I said the other day, I'm not buying any more gummies. Cause it's just like, I don't feel like I don't love them for multiple reasons, but it's like, don't have things in your house if they're going to be struggles, you know, for your kids or for you. So it's like, I could eliminate that from our home. She's going to get them in a million other places, which is fine. But like, I'm just thinking, you know, when she asked that, usually I say something like, let's look for a whole food snack. And that's a fruit, a vegetable, a nut, cheese, something that has, you know, not been processed. Now she doesn't understand that part, but just to say, let's look for something different. So I give her lots of options to choose from. I think options are good for kids. It's important for them to learn moderation and to learn balance. Mm -hmm. And so I do think, you know, it might be a struggle having gummies in the house, but I also think, you know, it's good for them to learn. And and Mm -hmm. even for you as a parent, you know, like, you don't necessarily have to eliminate. I think that's easy to fall in the category of like mm-hmm. I have all or nothing. And so I think that's where we want to show our kids like we can do, you know, middle ground. And that's so good. if we show them like, you know, for example, like we kind of joke, I've been at birthday parties where, you know, parents will bring out cupcakes and you can kind of tell like the kids that mm-hmm. aren't allowed to have sugar at home because they're like, mm-hmm. they're like, oh my God, cupcakes. And, you know, they want like three cupcakes. And, you know, then you can tell the kids that kind of like, they're just kind of like, eh, you know, and they might just like take a bite and like ignore it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that speaks a lot to like the way that we have food in our home. And so I think with something like gummies or just really anything, I think, you know, while I want to say, yeah, like that's a great idea. Just don't deal with the gummies at all. Like, I think that as parents, like we want to have, we want to show our kids like that they can have things in moderation so that we're not like, you know, putting them in a position where they're deprived of something. Yeah. I think that's so good. One thing with Halloween coming up, my sister-in-law did this. Her kids went trick-or-treating, so they put all the candy on the table. And she just said, let's look at all of this and see what is kind of worth it to us. Like, what's our favorites? And let's save those. And then the candy that we don't really love, let's just go ahead and either donate it, give it to someone else, or pitch it. And then she was like, and we use it, you know, as dessert for a couple of weeks or whatever. But I just love that idea of, like, kind of talking to him about it so it's not like, we're going to get all this candy and we're just going to eat it and, you know, just massive amounts. Instead, it's like, let's pick out our favorites. Let's keep those and then eat them, you know, not all on Halloween day. Like, let's eat them for the next couple of weeks and enjoy them. So I thought that was a fun kind of idea. Yeah, I think um, I'd have to send along another. I have a, a really good um, resource. Uh, there's a blog. It's called Sunny Side Up Nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, dietitian that I know and that I refer to a lot started it and she talks a lot about you know feeding children raising children and like around you know just having healthy relationship with food and she talks about Halloween and Halloween candy and she has an awesome she wrote an awesome article last year and so I would love I don't have that information to share but it would be really good um a really good resource for your listeners so maybe we can like post it afterwards yeah. Very cool. Well, time is almost up, but I, I just wanted to see if I could get a little bit more out of you before um, we wrap up. So what should we do if someone comments on our child's weight 
or their peers are shaming them for their their weight or their body. Any suggestions there? Yeah. So I think if that happens, I mean, obviously as a parent, that's like, oh, like, you know, you mm -hmm. just feel for your child. And I think that our first, at least my first instinct, you know, you might want to say like, oh, no, no, like, you're not fat. Like, you're, you're perfect. You're, you know, you're, you're beautiful. And you're, you know, um, but we want to try to resist reassuring them about their weight, because what we ultimately want to do is to teach them that they're not defined by their weight and their weight is not what gives them their value. It's not what gives them meaning. It's not what makes people like them. And so I think when we immediately say like, Oh no, 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 like you're, you're good. You're great. Like we're kind of reinforcing that idea that like their weight is what makes them or part of what makes them, you know, special or it makes them valuable. And so I think using that as a conversation, obviously with so much compassion and empathy, you know, of course, um, we want to make sure that we are able to communicate those, you know, values of like, you know, this is, this is what our culture values. This is not like what we value. Like this is, you know, let's talk about like, how does God see us? And, you know, what does the Bible say about this? And, you know, about how we're made. And, and um, so I think it gives us opportunities to have deeper conversations about our values and about how we define our worth. And I think at different ages that can look really, that can look like a different conversation, but that would be my short answer on that. I love that too, because I think it's dangerous to just jump to you're beautiful and just affirm the physical without thinking about what God looks at, which is the heart. So I think that's really good. And then my last question, cause we're out of time. Yeah. So if someone listening is currently struggling with an eating disorder or even like obsessive compulsive uh, behaviors towards exercise and they have children at home that are observing those behaviors and you talked so much about observing what we're doing and just so they're in the midst of that. I mean, first I would say seek help, of course, but as our kids are watching that and maybe, you know, potentially picking up on some of those messages that the parent could be instilling without even realizing it. Do you have any input of how to protect our kids from falling into those same eating patterns or exercise patterns if we're kind of in the throes of it? Yeah, that's a, that's such a tough one. You know, I think what I would say in terms of like protecting them and building resiliency for them, I really like, well, I want to say like, you can do this and you can do that and this will help them. I think the most important thing is for you as a parent to be healthy yourself. And I think that is what is going to ultimately like provide, I think what you're ultimately seeking in terms of that like healthy viewpoint. Because like I said before, like it's kind of like if you're a parent and you are like telling your kids like, don't smoke, but you're like smoking, they're gonna be like, what? Like, what do you mean? Like, that's crazy. So I think that if you are, you know, trying to help, raise them in a way where they're viewing things in a, like just a balanced, like, you know, neutral kind of way, but you're living your life in a pretty opposite way of that. They're going to have really conflicting messages. And so I think the, the biggest thing you can do is really focus on like taking care of yourself and getting the support that you need. So whether that's, you know, for some people it is counseling and nutritionist and, you know, treatment and, for some, it's, you know, having a support group or, you know, it might look different for different people, but 
I think if you're really in the throes of it, you probably need to seek help. And that is doing something that's doing something huge um, for your kids, but more so for yourself. But but I think that that cannot be underscored as like, you know, the most important thing. That's so good. So I feel like I've learned so much just in this time and things that I need to make some changes in our home of just not rewarding with food or punishing with food. not um, focusing too much on the appearance of the body, focusing more on the heart and what God sees. And then, you know, moderation with foods that maybe aren't great foods that make us strong and healthy is the word I use, but they're just food. So learning moderation with our kids instead of just trying to keep them in a bubble away from it. I think that's so good for me being an all or nothing person. And then for us to to model healthy habits of living, exercise, nutrition, body image, model that so that our kids are seeing that and hopefully implementing that. I mean, there's so much more. I love the resources you gave. We'll put those in the show notes so people can look at those. But thank you again, such a great resource for me and my family, but um, maybe for others that are listening, such a delicate and important topic that I really appreciate you taking the time to share all of your knowledge. I know there's so much more, but we got at least started. So thank you. Um, but reach out to Meredith if you do have questions for her directly. Um, and then hopefully we can do this again some point because I know there's lots more we could talk about. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. We'll see you soon. Thank you for joining me today. And if you connected with something that was said, I hope you will share this with a friend, subscribe and leave a review. Thanks for sharing this journey with me at home where it all begins.